Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use. No doubt starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for, wow, it's already January the 28th. In the year of our Lord, 2022, this is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast that is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back one heart, one mind, one issue at a time, Friday. And a quick recap of yesterday's show starts now. We had our guest on, Brian Rust. Over the past 50 years, RustQuinnandGift.com has been helping folks understand, take possession of your metal, please. And how do you get constitutional currency? How do you get precious metal that makes sense? Brian is your friend in the precious metal business. RustQuinnandGift.com doing a great job. And he always joins me every Thursday for the Honest Money Report. Boy, howdy, do we need honest money. Without that, they couldn't peddle their wars and their tyranny. we got to return to constitutional currency and reject the fiats under any flavor they may be. By the way, (laughs) we uh, talked about a little comedian, our good buddy, Jim Gaffigan, doing a great job. He says this, when I die, they're going to discover that I had COVID my whole life. That explains why I'm tired all the time. (laughs) I love that guy. He's funny. And uh, by the way, the Fed opens debate on digital currency. And how dishonest is their debate? You know, everything that the Fed relates to is opposite from what the digital currency people hoped, right? Uh, So they say, we want to talk about it. We want to have a debate about it. We want to hear from the public. But here's the parameters. It's going to be central controlled. Uh, The United States is going to be king around the world. Uh, and, you know, the government's going to back digital currency. And uh, there you go. You look at all that and everything they advocate for is opposite from what the crypto folks had in mind. You know, the Federal Reserve wants central control. Crypto used to be decentralization. Uh, we go on and on. There used to be no backing, no control. Well, with the United States government, they would control everything. So the debate is a farce. It's a lie. But trust you me, your government is going to want to get into the digital currency world because they realize, hey, they don't like competition. And uh, they can create digital currency easier than they can create even fiat paper currency. So there you have that. Government's going to dip their toe in the crypto. Don't do it, ladies and gentlemen. It's disaster. Push for honest weights and measures as the Bible calls for and our founding fathers put in our supreme law. Would you please? We also had our guest on, Pete Sepp, with the National Taxpayers Union doing a phenomenal job. And we talked about the uncertain future of Build Back Better. We'll probably get a version of Build Back Better whether we like it or not, but it's disaster on steroids. Let's fight, 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 and shut it down. They say we can't win, but I predict with our greater numbers, if we work together, we can. Already, IRS miscues are making a complicated tax filing season even more complicated than it already has been. Look out for your Federal Reserve. They want to demand you give your money, but that yet when they owe you money back, well, they're struggling to comply there. NTU, that's the National Taxpayers Union Rates Congress, 
We talked about that as well. And then we let Pete Sepp go, and we had another incredible guest. Matthew Vadum is his name. And Matthew Vadum uh, is a courts and justice reporter for the EpicTimes.com. He was with me. And Mr. Vadum is a award-winning investigative reporter and a recognized expert in left-wing activism. In fact, he wrote a book. He's the author of a book called Subversion, Inc., How Obama's, quote, acorn red shirts are still terrorizing and ripping off American taxpayers. And they have Team Jihad going on, if you will, with Barack and his organizations. How Sharia law folks are literally collaborating against everything we hold dear to destroy the United States. Wow. Great book. Subversion Inc. Great book. We also talked about Vice President Kamala Harris plans to attend the inauguration of a left-wing nut, Honduran president-elect, um, I guess Mr. Castro with left-leaning socialist ties. Kamala's going to be there. What a shame that is. They used to be you know, covert about their communism and socialism. Now they're in your face about it, folks. The Supreme Court on Monday agreed to hear a pair of cases challenging uh, this notion in colleges that you got to have it race-based, right? Yeah, discriminative policies. Uh, Harvard and the North Carolina University there all involved. Yeah, they say their admissions process is discriminatory against the Asians. Affirmative action before the Supreme Court. What will happen? Time will tell. Um Mr. Vadim says, or Vadim says that we'll probably get an answer by the end of the year. Uh, are we going to allow these colleges to remain to be racist, or are we going to jettison affirmative action immediately? That's the big question. That's the recap of yesterday's news. Available at LibertyRoundTable.com and LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. LovingLiberty.net. Without further ado, news that I refuse to use today starts now. Chris Carlson with me. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you, Sam. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson reporting for duty, sir. You betcha. World War Three alert. NATO provoking Russia to start war. It's NATO versus Russia. Western powers prepare to set Russia's house in order. The battles never end with unlimited funding, do they, Chris? Yeah, since we've got our house in order over here in America, we might as well go over to um, three-quarters of the way around the world to another foreign nation and help set their house in order, right? <laughs> That's our That's attitude. the uh, psychotic logic for sure. Yeah, and uh, do you hear the drums of war beating, Sam? Do you want me to give you a, uh, the sound of the, sound, the drums of I war hear beating? I hear the drums of war more than beating. I uh, see the drums of war being tapped in the media as behind the scenes, they engineer a manufactured war where they literally fund both sides, train enemies on both sides. This is the standard pattern of the money changers, Chris. Yeah, well, I was going to give you a, a sample of those, uh, the sounds of those drums of war, Sam. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Do you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> That's money. Yes, sir. And that's what war has always been about. It's, it's been one of the most lucrative undertakings in the history of secret societies, as you know, Sam. And it uh, looks like they're about ready to make a monetary move. Uh, hopefully not. 
But uh, if one side or the other crosses that red line, we're going to see uh, war three quarters of the way around the world in, in um, the United States through NATO, through their commitment to NATO. Even though, by the way, Sam, did you know that the Ukraine is not even a member of NATO, yet we're going to their rescue? Doesn't that seem a little hypocritical or ironic? Well, and then who they allow to be members of NATO is interesting as well. Yeah, and then Russia doesn't want the Ukraine to, or any of the Balkan states, you know, within their sphere of influence, their former uh, very strong sphere of influence under the USSR, to be part of NATO. That's one of their ultimatums. And, um, you know, that, that's one of the reasons that we're over there because, well, that and, of course, the one we already mentioned, which is money. But you've got all these smaller European countries like Denmark, like France, like Lithuania, little Lithuania, little Estonia, and little Latvia, actually sending armaments to the Ukraine, render them, rendering themselves, Sam, then vulnerable to uh, uh, Russian aggression. You know, when they could otherwise just say, no, we're going to remain neutral. But there is one country, I don't know if you know this, that is remaining neutral, that is uh, maintaining its neutrality in this whole situation. You know who that is? I don't. It's Germany. Germany's not sending anything over to the Ukraine. They're trying I wish to make, I could and, say you know, Germany's learned their lesson, but I can't. No. No, I mean, that's just, you know one good move out of thousands of negative moves that they've made, you know, while they've been in the U European Union. But do you, you know the reason why? Because... They probably don't have the Europe, money. Uh, well, they got more money than any other state in the U European Union, Sam. You know, they're the, 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 the coffers of the U European Union as far as money is concerned. The reason that they're not doing it is they're afraid that their uh, natural gas supplies will be cut off. Cause, and that should be the position of every European state because uh, Europe depends upon Russia for natural gas. They might have a, a cold, dark winter if they you know, do something to upset Russia. I don't know if it'll work because the European Union pretty much dominates the decisions like you know, those types of decisions that uh, individual states make. But at least they'll try, you know, to maintain neutrality. And I think that's a smart move on their part, and I commend them for it. But all the other states, like I said, Lithuania is sending Javelin anti-tank missiles. Denmark is sending a frigate to the Black Sea. They're sending four F-16s. Romania <coughs> um, is sending troops. The Netherlands is sending uh, F-35 fighter jets to Bulgaria. And the interesting thing that I would pose is what do they hope to accomplish? Well, they're going to have a lot of dead uh, citizens if they're not careful, if they're not careful. And then here's the thing, Sam. I think that's what they want, a lot of dead citizens. I think that's their goal, Chris. Well, they better be careful. You bloody somebody else's nose, you're liable to get your nose bloodied yourself. Yeah, but they like that, too. They love war, sir. In fact, war is peace as they teach. Let's go back and highlight some of the patterns that have set the stage for where we are now. We'll do it in seconds with Chris Carlson on your radio. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly 
devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas, like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little, I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What do you wish your parents would do to show you they love you? Take me to Montana that I would have a huge slumber party with all the girls there. Play with me more often. My mom's so busy with the board meeting. To spend more time together as a family. Do more out-of-the-house activities. This is a tough one. My parents, they do everything they love me. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. They don't need to show it to me. I just know they love me. Well, not yelling at me very much. What do you Raise my allowance. To not argue together. Um, have my dad be home more for dinner and stuff so that it could be even closer. Family, isn't it about time? Buy me an ice cream and kiss me to love me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, what's the next question? Back with you live, Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson, breaking down reality check on war, ladies and gentlemen. They say war is peace. That's how they lie to we the people. They've set the pattern. They've refined their art of war over years and years and years about how to deceive the people uh, into war, Chris. Yeah, um, that's right. And then here domestically, they're not helping us much at all. Because like I said in the beginning of this program, Sam, war is very profitable. It's one of the most profitable undertakings in the history of mankind. And here's why. Because people get emotional when they feel threatened. And when they get emotional, they don't think with their logic. They think with their hearts and they think with fear. And fear drives them to spend just as much money as they absolutely have to in order to win the war that they're confronting. And that's when the military industrial complex comes in and says, yeah, 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 you got to buy more bombs, you got to buy more guns, more tanks, more planes. And they make a killing, pun intended, on war. But here in, the, in this country, it used to be, Sam, we had the peaceniks, and we're talking primarily in the 1960s Vietnam era. And then we had the, in, in the Republican part, that would be the Democrats, by the way, the peaceniks, uh, or, you know, the make love not war party and then we should have the republican party that was kind of split between the non-interventionists otherwise known as the isolationists and the internationalists you know between the two we had a lot of people that didn't want to go to war but nowadays we have a monolithic party the democrats and the republicans are unified in their desires to go to war 
We don't have any peaceniks. We don't have any non-interventionists in either party. And that's the problem. And if you look um, at Congress, you've got Mitch McConnell, Republican, Lindsey Graham, Republican, Adam Schiff, uh, Democrat, Mississippi Senator Roger Wicker. Everybody in the Democratic and Republican Party are now war hawks. And that's the problem. Nobody, there, there's no uh, contingent or, or faction in government that's saying, wait a minute, we got to think this thing through before we just go into this thing um, you know, half blind, uh, and just go to war. Uh, wars have consequences, sometimes long term. Anyway, um, let's talk about the Cuban Missile Crisis, Sam. And I, I know you wanted to get to that before we ran out of time. And I point out the hypocrisy. Do you want to introduce that topic? Well, it's just kind of the history uh, of how we kind of get involved in things and how we manufacture. Uh, crises and then how we literally gear up both sides of a war uh, so that the people are deceived by the media feeling that the war is imminent there's no way to really uh, back away uh, and this Cuban crisis kind of gives you an idea of how they do this how they agitate uh, to the point of no return if you will yeah well, we were just to so say this. Okay, the, so the Cuban Missile Crisis happened before we were born, Sam, in 1962, November to be specific. And um, our spy satellites or our spy planes, I can't remember which or maybe both, uh, identified uh, a, the transport of intercontinental ballistic missiles coming from the Soviet Union to Cuba, which is 90 miles off the coast of Florida. And um, they were hauling missiles. And this was a big deal because why would we want missiles uh, stationed 90 miles off the coast of the United States? That was a huge threat. And we had to stop it. And then we so we had the Cuban Missile uh, Blockade under John F. Kennedy, our president. Now, I think it's a little ironic that back then we were concerned about missiles pointed at uh, the United States of America 90 miles off of our coast. Yet today we have missiles stationed in Europe pointing at the Soviet, no, the former Soviet Union, Russia, sorry. We've got them in Belgium. We've got them in uh, Italy. We've got them in um, Vocal Air Base in the, the Netherlands and down in Turkey. Uh, now, the only difference I would say between that and uh, the Soviet missiles that were, you know, being transported to Cuba back in 1962 is the fact that they're, they're not nearly as close to Russia as those missiles in Cuba would have been to the United States. However, with the technology advancements, the results would be the same. So my question to you, Sam, is how can we so be so hypocritical as to be pointing intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, stationed in Europe at Russia today while we were concerned about them uh, stationing missiles 90 miles off of our coast back then? Did you see the irony? Well, it's just history repeats itself, right? It doesn't matter which side's the aggressor or which side's the agitator. Uh, the results are always the same, which is endless war backed by the military-industrial complex, backed by unlimited dishonest fiat currency. I mean, you see it over and over. The pattern stays the same. In fact, the pattern stays the same, but every time it repeats itself, it becomes more refined. And what I mean by that is more refined to take us down a primrose path and close doors behind us so there's no point of return. I mean, right? That's what yeah. really goes on. 
Yeah, and people people need to understand that. Um, people by nature are non-interventionists. That's the thing, Sam. So when our nation wants to, to take us to war, we have to use pop propaganda to convince the people that the threat is greater than it really is. Do you feel threatened uh, by Russia three-quarters of the way around the world? Do you feel threatened, Sam? Or do you believe, I, I feel like way more threatened by our own country, by the military-industrial complex, and by the dishonesty in the media manipulating the thoughts and the beliefs and the understanding of Americans to always believe there's a boogeyman behind their left shoulder. Don't you dare uh, turn around, but armed to the teeth. Go to war. Uh, you know what? Ha wage war around the world when over 130-plus nations, militarily speaking right now, also we don't have war at home lie. I want to carry out a humble foreign policy. Uh, like George Washington and Ron Paul propose. But yet that's yeah. really where we are, right? Well, just like you said yesterday, Sam, um, I, I feel more threatened by our Federal Reserve's monetary po policy where $413 billion was paid last year just for servicing the debt alone. That's not for paying off the principal, <laughs> you know, and that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger pretty soon. They won't be able to collect enough income tax money from the American people to cover the servicing of the debt alone, not, let alone the, um, the, the principal. So, yeah, that to me is a greater threat because we've got enemies that hate us just as much here in America in positions of power, um, if not more, than we have enemies over in Russia or in Cuba or in China or North Korea. And those, those threats are just as real, if not more, because they're among us. They walk among us. They speak our language without an accent. I can't remember what that's a quote from, but, um, you know, they can disguise themselves as fellow citizens who have our best interests at heart, and we know they don't. And we're going to get to that later on. Uh, 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 a pure fountain cannot give bitter water and vice versa. When we talk about Chuck Baldwin's article, but we, we need to look at our own government as a potential threat to our safety and security. And we're not. We're always being distracted over to the boogeyman overseas so that the military-industrial complex can make billions of profits off of uh, unwitting American citizens. But they have, to, um, they have to propagandize us. Do you want to transition into uh, Edward L. Bernays at this point, Sam? Yeah, very interesting. Again, we read uh, experts who kind of highlight this and put things in perspective, right? I mean, they, they literally put their finger on the pulse to help us kind of back into an understanding uh, of what's being done to us as we're betrayed virtually at every turn. Yeah, and they, they have to condition the American mind to uh, accept the fact that we're doing something uh, three-quarters of the way around the world they could get a lot of our soldiers, our, our young men and young women, killed. And in order to do that, intuitively, human beings are, are not geared towards war. They're geared towards peace, making peace, uh, negotiating with our potential enemies to uh, accomplish a detente, which is basically an agreement not to go to war. Uh, but we have to be propagandized. So Edward L. Bernays, nicknamed the father of spin, was the creator of modern propaganda. Bernays was Sigmund Freud's nephew and applied, the Fre and applied Freud's work to the art of mass persuasion by blending advertising techniques with an understanding of human psychology. 
Bernays worked for the Committee on Public Information, otherwise known as the CPI. This government agency was created by President Woodrow Wilson in 1917 for the purpose of mustering public support for World War I. Okay, so the CPI, the Committee for Public Information. Time flies when you're having fun, or rather when you're talking about key principles of liberty, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Carlson with me, Sam Bushman on your radio. Listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. A federal judge invalidated the results of an oil and gas lease sale in the Gulf of Mexico on Thursday, saying the Biden administration failed to properly account for the auction's climate change impact. Judge Randolph Contreras of the United States District Court in D.C. ruled the end of the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management's lease sale 257. That sale generated more than $190 million. As expected, the offshore drilling industry slammed the decision. It's now official. After 24 hours of the media and government officials saying Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer was going to retire, Justice Breyer made it official Thursday. President Biden then addressed the nation that the next Supreme Court Justice will be based on gender and skin color. Will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. USA Radio News. You need an accurate thermometer to check for fever, a potential sign of flu or COVID. Be vigilant and contact your medical provider at the first sign of fever. Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer has been proven accurate in more than 100 clinical studies. Exergen Temporal Scanners are available at Walmart and other fine retailers. Learn more at exergen.com. That's E-X-E-R-G-E-N.com. Exergen is changing the way the world takes temperature. I know you've been waiting a little bit longer than normal. Jen's manicure spot needs an extra pair of hands. Who's at the front desk right now? Someone who's handy with everything from nail files to spreadsheet files. Deidre's not coming in today, but we have that whole bachelorette Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Where the federal government has failed at the U.S.-Mexico border, state attorney generals are meeting to plan a strategy. Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Thursday spoke at a two-day border summit for 12 state attorneys general to discuss security at the U.S. southern border. Abbott accusing President Biden of being indifferent to the impact illegal immigration has in the United States. Joe Biden doesn't care about victims of human trafficking. If he cared, he would step up and do something about it. But he does not care about the carnage that he's causing to lives and communities across the entire country. The Biden administration has focused on the root causes of mass migration, including crime and poverty in countries where migrants are fleeing from. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. 
After 18 seasons with the NFL's Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger announced his retirement on Thursday. USA Radio News. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson on your radio. We're talking about World War III alert. NATO provoking Russia to start a war. Yeah, we think we want to set Russia's house in order. Russia, Ukraine, the big battle's on. Most folks are getting involved in some way or another. Germany's remaining neutral. Uh, Very startling for them, but hey, good for them for a change. They're concerned uh, that they might not... uh, you know, have their pipelines and all their <laughs> services uh, maintained if they go to war. So that's uh, one of the issues. We should all think a little bit more like that. But the bottom line is the Cuban crisis set the stage. Ladies and gentlemen, we literally armed both sides of that. Everybody geared up, if you will. It was disaster, but it kept us on the brink of fear, 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 and more fear. And now we're talking about the techniques of modern military propaganda. An article written in LouRockwell.com. Uh, We're talking really about the uh, propaganda, the techniques of modern war developed over uh, several instances that we can document quite well, Chris. Yeah, because back in uh, 1917, as you know, we were a a thousand times more non-interventionist than we are today. Uh, We've come a long way, baby, (laughs) which is kind of a tie-in to Edward L. Bernays because he was the one who convinced women in the 1920s, Sam, to smoke cigarettes. Before then, very, very few women actually smoked cigarettes, but he called them torches of liberty, and he said that they represent freedom for women. And he got a lot of women, including my mother. Of course, she wasn't, you know, even born back then, but she did smoke through the 60s and 70s uh, to smoke cigarettes. And that's Edward Bernays. We can go on and on about, you know, how he you know, convinced people to eat bacon and eggs for breakfast, et cetera, et cetera. But during the war, we, we had to get uh, the American people on board because we were, for the most part, at that time, Sam, as you know, non-interventionist in spirit. So the, there were the three objectives to uh, get people to accept our entry into World War One, And uh, Edward L. L. Bernays was the one to facilitate this. And and those three uh, objectives was you have to stress emotion over logic. And we see a lot of that today. You have to demonize the enemy. We see a lot of that. And promise a war that will make the world safe for democracy. And I remember reading, you know, throughout World War I and World War II and the Korean War. I mean, that's... That phrase was reiterated many, many times. We don't hear a lot about it today because it sounds kind of cheesy. I guess the the cheese factor got too much, you know, for the media to use it. So we don't use it today. But that's what you have to do. Um, And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, You remember during the um, during the Iraq war and the Afghanistan war, uh, our commander in chief, uh, George W. Bush would always would say either you are with us or you're with the terrorists. It was either or. <laughs> what if we just want to be peaceful, you know, and not make enemies where enemies, uh, in mo- the most for the most part, did not exist. People in, uh, in Iraq, you know, during the 1990s didn't hate Americans. People in Afghanistan didn't hate Americans, but the, a lot of them do now, <laughs> because you know war creates enemies where they were not otherwise there you know when, when you kill people's families and and the thing about how we conduct war today sam and and, th- and this is sad 
is when, when you do preemptive strikes, you tend to kill a lot more innocent non-combatants, otherwise known as civilians, than, than you would, you know, if you wait for your enemy to come to you. In which case, you know, maybe a few civilians here and there, you know, would be compromised, would be, would be killed or injured. But when you go after a nation and you start dropping bombs indiscriminately on cities, you're always going to kill a lot more civilians, people that don't deserve to die. And we could, we could go on and on about, you know, accountability and uh, the principle of blood atonement, but I think I'll spare that for, uh, we've talked about it in the past. Anyway. Well, the way to think about this is Freud, propaganda, and the total state, Ron Lieberman, uh, with this point. You kind of begin to understand they've taken this to a new level with psychiatric manipulation. Uh, you know, Freud and all these people put together these uh, frameworks for understanding people and places and things and leading you to certain uh, conclusions and understandings and et cetera, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you get to the point. And, and I'll give you a really quick example, Sam. I know you kind of wanted to get on to the next article by Chuck Baldwin. Which is now, we'll skip one. the Chuck Baldwin. I'll save that for Scott Bradley in the next hour. How's that? Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's move on. I'm sorry, I'm I'm going off on tangents. So uh, explain this idea uh, of Freud propaganda and the total state because this is a great understanding of who's who here uh, and how this all works. This is this is not something they've just stumbled upon. This is something they've refined uh, over decades. Is what we want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen. The art of war uh, is not just by stumble, by accident, by oh my gosh, the bad guys are trying to get us. This is a refined road they lead you down to lead you into war they do it over and over so give people the details of the techniques uh here well we went through them so you, n number one you stress emotion over logic okay you make people think with their hearts rather than with their minds because when people think with their hearts they become irrational and they allow our government to spend irrationally Okay, so let me let me give you an example on this point. Wars because they borrowed emotion over logic. Demonize the enemy. Who's the enemy right now? On the national stage uh, for my, global war, mind, it's NATO. Heart, I don't have any enemies. Locally, though, the enemy is the unvaxxed. Locally, the enemy is the unmasked. Locally, is the enemy who won't oh. go along with their agenda, right? So think about that and apply that of how okay, they've literally yeah, in two years, yeah. if you don't wear a mask and if you're not vaccinated, you are a flat-out terrorist. Let me tell you who the other terrorist is. Are you ready? Mom and dad going down to the school board. Yes. They're terrorists. Domestic threat. See, they've demonized. Oh, yeah. Demonized and demonized. Then they promise a war to make the world safe. Uh, war is peace. If we just have this war pieces on the back end of that you got to go up this war hill but as soon as you do you're going to be coasting chris <laughs> yeah, right? i don't believe their promises anymore sam i, I know did, but i'm just saying that's that's where ago, it goes <laughs> all right it goes the art people buy it every time it's just like lucy and charlie brown uh, lucy yeah lucy all right the art I of double speak the football out from really me. relates to this ladies and gentlemen Edward Curtin writes about doublespeak as well, Chris. Okay. Edward Curtin, are you going to read that? No, go ahead. I don't want to read anything. I just want you to tell us how it works. Tell me how doublespeak works, my friend. 
All right. I'm was that on our notes? Um, double speak. Yeah. So so double speak is where they lie to you, where they tell you things that aren't true. Let me give you an example. Uh, I know that for decades we've known masks don't work, Chris. We know that masks only mm-hmm. work in a surgical setting. Masks that are uh, to a certain scientific level, um, technical level, and masks worn in certain settings by those who know how to wear them. Otherwise, masks don't work. The coronavirus is way too small. Uh, The mask holes are way too big, and therefore it does no good. They've known that for literally decades, and they've taught Mm -hmm. that for decades. And at the start of the pandemic, you know what? Fauci and others said, don't wear a mask. They don't do any good. You don't need it. But then later they turned on a dime with doublespeak, and then they said, hey, new science shows, never mind we don't have any evidence, new science shows that masks work. Everybody's got to wear a mask. We literally wore a mask for two years, and at the end of the two years they say, by golly, cloth masks don't work. I know most of you have been wearing cloth masks forever, but they don't work. Now they're admitting this, but it's two years late. This doublespeak is beyond uh, imagination. This idea that war is peace. This, okay, they just literally lie to you over and over and over. It's a lie. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. You got to wear a mask. Well, no, you don't. Masks don't do any good. Oh, yes, masks do good. Anybody that, does, that tells you that masks don't do good is a terrorist. Same thing with doublespeak. Hey, put your kids in school. We're here to support you. We love you, parents. We're here to help you with your kids. Later. What? You don't like what we're doing in the government school? Don't you know that you gave your kids to us? We do whatever we want? You're a terrorist. And they use this doublespeak all the time to literally lie and deceive the people. It's a mind control. It's a mind, um, what do you want to call it? Psyop control over the people? Manipulation, conditioning. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're talking about. And people buy into it. And I, I used to be there, Sam. So l- let me give you one quick example. I think this might illustrate the point. Do you remember the uh, the standoff at uh, down in uh, Waco, Texas with David Koresh? When I, that, that was before I had been red-pilled, Sam. And when I turned on the news every night and I heard about the developments of that standoff, I got angry at David Koresh and his followers. Yet later on, I, f- I felt so embarrassed that I had responded that way. It was because I was allowing myself to be manipulated by the news. But of course, now I'm different. Ladies and gentlemen, it happens to us all. We all have awakening moments, and that's what this broadcast is about, to help you have one of those in your life, and then spread the word, right? Chris Carlson in seconds. there will come a time when we are all judged on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. 
one thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the art of war. We're talking about NATO versus Russia. You got to ask yourself a question. Are we going to have World War III on our hands? Is this going to be a situation where it goes hot? The United States has already placed approximately 8,500 troops on standby for possible deployment to Eastern Europe to strengthen NATO forces, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with Ukraine. You know what? As many as 50,000 troops could eventually be sent to the, quote, Eastern Front on this thing, right? Boris Johnson talking about Russia unmasked. Okay, are we talking about a lightning war to capture control of Kiev, Ukraine? Where are we on this thing? They say such a move would be a disastrous step for Russia. It would be painful, violent, bloody. But Joe, whacked out Joe, held a video call, ladies and gentlemen, with these leaders, with NATO leaders, European leaders, etc., to uh, possibly deal with Russia. Stock markets slumped around the world on the news as war fever increases. The U.S. Federal Reserve stimulus money increases, interest rates increases. 82nd Airborne at Fort Bragg have been given orders to deploy to Europe. Both the U.S. and Great Britain are preparing to withdraw diplomats. People around the world are saying, get the heck out while you can. Pentagon officials are consulting among strategies being considered, ladies and gentlemen, between 1,000 and 5,000. Now 8,500 troops to Europe. Will the number completely expand and expand and expand? Where's this going to go? Some are saying, ladies and gentlemen, listen carefully. Some are saying, hey, in February, this is going to kick off. Uh, is this a reality check, a concern, or a moved prediction? Uh, is this the kind of thing where we're going to fulfill prophecy? <laughs> where, where are we at on this thing, do you think, Chris? Well, and here's the thing, the more NATO troops we, um, we accumulate on the border of Russian, Russia and then Ukraine, is it possible, Sam, that we are provoking war? What if we just ignored Russia's um, position on the border, on their side of the border? What if we just said, okay, yeah, you guys, I mean, you're 
obviously on your sovereign territory. You have every right to be there. Why don't we just ignore you until you decide? But here's the thing. They may or may not, and I'm not for either side, Sam. They may or may not want to annex, just like they did the Crimea, they may want to annex the Donbass region, which is for the most part Russian in political orientation. Most of the people in the Donbass region, they would rather be annexed by Russia. And it's a sad fact that back in the USSR, the Soviet Union day, Sam, that Russia actually um, colonized certain areas of their satellite states, including the Ukraine, and Donbass was one of those regions. So because of historical fact, there are people in the Donbass regions, the majority of which would like to be annexed to Russia. They would rather be part of Russia. So it may occur that Russia all along has decided that they're going to do the same thing to that region as they did to the Crimea, which would, I don't know, would they be justified? See, here's where things get a little tricky, Sam. I'm not sure if they would be justified or not, because today that's part of the Ukraine. But maybe it should be part of Russia. And maybe, you know, they're using that, the internationalists, who are going to be the only people that win in this war, because they'll make tons of money. Maybe that's what they want. But well, the, and the here's logic... the real problem. Here's the real problem, though. Who is to decide that? Who has authority to decide the creation of the the evolution of the annexing of the jettisoning of a nation. Who's to decide that? Look at China and Taiwan to make the point. Look at the United States and Cuba to make the point. Do we literally have an enemy uh, at arm's length, but so close you can smell their breath on your shores always to generate fear? Uh, do you take them over and stop that? What about the freedom-loving nation of Taiwan compared to the communist nation of China? What about Cuba, the communist nation versus America. What about, you know, how does this all, and why are we the ones? Why is NATO the ones? Why are the United States the global, quote, leader? Why are we the ones to determine what can go and what can't and why and how and who and what and where? And it's very, because very strange. Because we are internationalists. And there is a precedent in, in world history, and that's when France came over to America during the, the Revolutionary War, and they helped us. And I'm grateful, and that's why things are a little bit muddy for me, Sam, so I'm deferring to superior wisdom here. Uh, France actually came over and saved our bacon uh, during the Revolutionary War. Are we then justified doing the same thing over in Taiwan or Hong Kong or, in this case, uh, the Ukraine? Are we justified? I would say probably not. I mean, that should be our default position at least. I don't think we have any national interest uh, at stake there. So I say let, let's, let's stay out. Yeah, the, the problem is where do we get authority? And whether yeah. uh, the French should have been involved with us or not, where do they get authority? And when uh, is tyranny used against someone? And we need to use freedom and our, our efforts to, to, quote, free those people. See, I don't see a big effort for liberty going on in, in – uh, the Ukraine right now. I don't think that we should be there at all. We certainly shouldn't be involved in an international cabal uh, to upset the region there. It's not our backyard. Uh, we don't have authority. We don't have the, the, the ability to breach another nation's sovereignty. It reminds me this. If the devil's greatest deception is that he does not exist, then the idea is the bankers 
The international bankers' greatest deception is that they do not exist. They want you to believe somehow in the art of doublespeak that war is peace. Peace is war. We have authority everywhere. Uh, but we don't. It's not the truth. There is such things as self-determination. There are such things as, as uh, sovereignty for nations. Uh, and we don't have any right to breach the sovereignty of Russia or the Ukraine or any of them. Uh, but yet what we want to do is we want to fund both sides. So how, somehow Russia's an enemy, but the Ukraine's a friend? Who's part of NATO? Either of them? Okay, what, no. what are we even talking about? Who's the friend and who's the foe? And that's the problem with the international reality in America is that we don't know who's friend and who's foe. That's why our founding fathers, like George Washington and others, taught to avoid the foreign entanglements because we don't know who's got what agenda. And even if we did know, there are rules called laws in the supreme law of our country that tell us if we're going to go to war, then who decides that? Answer, Congress. Okay? And if we're going to go to war, we've got to declare war. If we're going to do something short of war, again, the supreme law of our land, the Constitution, provides those guidelines. So whether we should be there or not from a moral point of view is up for debate. Uh, what's not up for debate is the default position of America to stay out of foreign entanglements. And then the rules, if we're going to go to war, the laws of how we do so, or if we're going to support a nation, what tools we have at our disposal. That's all spelled out in the supreme law of the land and is controlled by the legislative body, Chris. So no matter yeah, what, we shouldn't be cranking up 8,500 troops. We shouldn't be sending people there. We shouldn't be having the president get on, quote, international calls with foreign so-called partners that may be enemies themselves. We shouldn't be doing all those things. We should be looking to Congress right now saying, Congress, is there a need here? And if so, what is it? And how do you intend to respond? We're looking at it all wrong in America, for starters, sir. If you want wisdom, yeah. the founders got it, and the supreme law of the land articulates it. I just happen to be smart enough to turn to it often. Yeah, and to qualify that uh, distinction that I made when France came over, Sam, to help the American colonists win their independence, that was a rare moment in history in the sense that we actually were fighting for freedom and liberty and, and God, family, and country. I don't think that's the case in the Ukraine. They're not a free people. In fact, through the CIA and Victoria Newland back in 1914, or 19, <laughs> 2014, excuse me, we know what happened. The CIA actually effected a coup in the Ukraine, installed uh, Vladimir Zelensky, who is a globalist. So by going over and aiding the Ukraine against Russia, are we actually promoting freedom and liberty and, um, and prosperity? Or are we advancing the globalist cause? I, I say the latter. You know, maybe in uh, Taiwan or Hong Kong, the latter would be, or the former would be the case. But um, anyway, things just get complicated. I think our default position, like you said, Sam, is first of all, make sure that Congress is the one declaring war. Because I think in this case, if Congress is compelled to do that, they might think this thing through a little better. The, than if they just let the, the president of the United States, who is being controlled, it's obvious, uh, make that decision, which we've been doing since the Korean War, which is unconstitutional. So every, just let our default position be, uh, you know, let's just hold off. We have no dog in this fight, Sam. We shouldn't be risking our young men and women and our, our uh, treasure to go on the side of a, of a globalist, clearly a globalist. Well, we have and, all um, kinds of tools congressionally. 
even if we don't determine going to war is necessary, we have all kinds of rules, constitutionally speaking, mark and reprisal and many other ways. Uh, tariffs at our borders, dealing with the greatest economy the world's ever known, the greatest economic engine. We have ways to, short of declaring war, uh, of increasing peaceful intent and de-escalating situations, which is what we ought to be doing right now. But rather, we have the president literally can't think for himself, can hardly tie his shoes, agitating for war as a global leader tied in with all these foreign entanglements. we got to jettison that. we got to turn to the proper branch of government. And then if we, the people, put pressure on our congressmen and senators, let's slow down there, warmongering thugs. Let's look at the supreme law of the land for guidance. And Congress, if you're going to take us there, you better justify yourself or we're going to vote you out of office for going there unjustly. It's just wars that we need to look at here. And I'm telling you right now, not only do we have no dog in this fight, it's absolute unjust for us to even be there at all. Show me to the contrary while using the Constitution as your guide. You'll never succeed. It's an unjust war. We ought not agitate. We ought not be there. But they did this in the missile crisis. They just ratcheted up fear. Then the people don't know where to go. Whip up a mob, yeah. turn them loose with only one guidance. We're going to war. You know, the only question is for how long? And every single war that's not declared has been longer and longer and longer and longer in scope. All this uphill battle hoping to have peace on the other side, never to be found. The techniques of modern military propaganda, ladies and gentlemen, yep. are out of control. And we're here to expose them for you. And highlight this lie, either you are with us or you're with a terrorist. Well, when you say with the terrorists, if I'm not with George Bush then, and he's a terrorist, that I'm not with the terrorists. See? Uh, the problem is the propaganda points to me as the terrorist. And George Bush is the peace guy. But yet George Bush agitating for war, and I'm agitating for, or I shouldn't say agitating, I'm encouraging peace. And you look at that and you go, at some point Americans have to learn to ferret through this. Use the Constitution. It'll help you. And you can just you can jettison the double speak and get a handle. If we're going to go to war, if we're going to take action against a given nation, use the supreme law of the land guidance and use the legislative body, the broadest body closest to the people. Because those are the checks and balances that made America the greatest country on the face of the earth. There's hope, but you got to learn to to look for love in the right places. Chris, final words yours. Yeah, and going back to my original position, Sam, we have enough enemies here in our own country. Let's clean our own house before we try to clean somebody else's. Without God, Sam, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight. Lieutenant Carlson and liberty-loving Americans everywhere, continuing our duties, sir. For Chris Carlson and Sam Bushman, LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net, God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kurt. Uh, wow, not Kurt Cosby. What am I talking? Man, we got to get Kurt back on the radio, by the way. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use. No doubt continues now. This is the broadcast for January the 28th. In the year of our Lord, 2022, the good Dr. Scott Bradley with me. 
this time, ladies and gentlemen, telling the tale of liberty. Welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you very much. Here it is, another Friday morning. I mean, good grief. Uh, where are the weeks going? The year is flying by. End of the month, really, you know, for at least for me. I mean, being on your program, but, you know, we still got a couple more days. But, you know, hey, uh, time flies when you're having fun. And I guess that's one thing we do on the radio. Heard that. What do you say? One twelfth of the year already gone, ladies and gentlemen. You're right about that, and there's so much to talk about, so little time. You know, Chris Carlson and I talked last hour, and I want you to be able to chime in on this, Dr. Bradley. WW3, World War III alert. NATO provoking Russia to start war. NATO versus Russia. Um, you know, they really want us to kind of believe that we've got to go to war. We've got to protect the Ukraine. We've got to shut down Russia, set their house in order. Uh uh, we're already getting 8,500 troops geared up for this thing. They say February this thing might kick off. But we talked about the history of war and how they've literally agitated for war. The uh, Russian, or the, I'm sorry, the Cuban Missile Crisis is one example, how they just ratchet up and both sides just create fear and panic. And the techniques of modern military propaganda, ladies and gentlemen, um, we talk about the original propaganda campaign basically had three rules. Stress emotion over logic. Demonize the enemy. Promise of world uh, going to war is going to have peace or protecting democracy on the other side of the lie. Um, you know what? The lie that either you are with us or you're with the terrorists kind of an idea. Uh, the art of double speak uh, seems to be the order of the day. Uh, this is the kind of thing that we're in. And I look at it and I go, hold on a minute, folks. We have the supreme law of the land which really articulates if we're going to declare war, how it should happen. But you know what? If we double down in understanding the founding fathers' view to avoid foreign entanglements like the plague and understanding we ought not be there at all, understanding that we need to really be very, very, very careful that we don't use the unlimited funding of the Federal Reserve dishonesty combined with then the military-industrial complex dishonesty, combine that with jettisoning all constitutional provisions you know what we're going to be in a war before we know it but the reality is we shouldn't declare a war there's a lot of, of solutions constitutionally speaking that could be um, turned to before that to try to de-escalate truly stand as a leader for peace um, but yet none of it's being focused on or discussed or considered they're just saying the drum beats a war or a beaten you hear them in the distance, right, doctor? And you know what? We've got to go there so we don't have war at home lie. And as they spin all these lies, they really, in my opinion, uh, develop the techniques of modern military propaganda, which leads eventually to unjust war. On that, doctor, let's kick it off. You know, Sam, we could take the entire hour on this program and not do it justice. Uh, last night on my webinar, uh, one of these, a similar question came up um, from somebody. I didn't know where they live. But at any rate, there's a lot of people that are saying, don't you dare go there, you turkeys. Uh, Americans do not want a war. And Ukraine, are you kidding me? And <clears throat> just a little, uh, I mean, founding fathers unequivocally, we can prove this every way to Sunday, if you will, spoke against entangling alliances that would that would uh, involve us in the intrigue 
of foreign nations. Uh, we have a unique status. We, we shouldn't be that down that road. The uh, uh, United States has never been isolationist. We should put that to bed right from the very beginning. We have traded and had commerce and interaction with all nations. And in fact, uh, leading up to the uh, uh, War of 1812, just to give you some idea of how widely spread our ships were on the seas, England thought she was mistress of the seas. And she thought she could board any boat and say, hey, what you got on board here, kids? And do you have any formerly British sailors? sailors? And uh, Jefferson spoke about a thousand of our ships being boarded by the Brits. Uh, that, that shows you how widely spread we were. You know, we had commerce. We had interactions with the. We would never be an isolationist, but we have never conquered by the sword in order to be able to get our way. That has not been the American way. So the founders were absolutely against it. I mean, you go read the Monroe Doctrine about our disinterest in the affairs of Europe and so on. So anyway, we had that from the very beginning. We largely abided by that. There were some other, there were some really flaky, stupid things that happened. But largely that was it until we got this globalist socialist twerp named Woodrow Wilson in the presidency with his alter ego. They wanted us to be in the war because the Carnegie Foundation had studied how to most quickly, permanently reset the mores of a nation, the values, attitudes, and belief, and it was war. And they wanted us in the war because they wanted us to be disengaged from the United States Constitution, which, you know, that, boy, you can't have a global government if you got that there. They wanted to, by, by 1916, Woodrow Wilson had his crew in England and France putting together what would become the Versailles Treaty, which would incorporate the League of Nations, which was an entree into world government. And, of course, uh, we ended up being sucker punched into that. By the way, the whole of World War I was, uh, was entangling alliances. Um, the Serbs, well, at least a segment of the Serbian uh, secret combination, killed the Archduke of, of Austria and his wife Sophie in June of 1914. Well, Austria declared war on Serbia. Serbia looked to big brother Russia, and, and so Russia declared war on Austria. Austria looked to big brother Germany. Germany declared war on Russia. By the end of the summer, well, August anyway, uh, all of Europe was involved in that conflagration. The United States, tried, they tried to sucker punch the United States in with the uh, Lusitania efforts and everything uh, that we don't need to get distracted too much. But the fact of the matter is when they put forth the uh, Versailles Treaty, it had incorporated into it this League of Nations. If the United States signed on it, they would be part of this global government. And, and so uh, the Senate, who had to ratify a treaty, refused to, and it set up another effort to make a run at that, which happened through the 20s, 30s, and 40s, ended up with the United Nations. The United Nations Charter has a, in its charter the uh, authorization for regional arrangements to occur. Those regional arrangements can never act outside the bounds of the United Nations um, purposes. And NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is a regional arrangement under the uh, United Nations. And so, so are all these other things, NAFTA and CAFTA and all these other things are regional arrangements under the United Nations. They are actually a wink and a nod to global government. Well, so what's been going on in recent months is that 
Uh, Ukraine, well, in recent months, it's been the last few years, has been attempting to get into NATO. NATO was signed in 1949, and in 1949, the United States basically agreed that if anybody was in NATO and they got attacked, everybody had to be in the war against whoever attacked the NATO ally. Absolute violation of Founding Fathers. Got a magnificent quotation from a guy named St. George Tucker. We've talked about him uh, numerous times in the radio program. Probably the most, oh, highly qualified, brilliant constitutionalist of the founding era. And he said, it's absurd to think that a treaty would require us to go to war if someone else is attacked uh, without Congress performing its due diligence and duty. Anyway, Ukraine has been trying to get into the United Nations, I mean, excuse me, NATO. And and so I, uh, I know we've got to take a break here pretty darn quick, but I want to say something that I think Putin's doing. I believe Putin has set up a chess match, and it's not with chess pieces on a board. It is with his military on borders. And I believe the United States is being suckered into this, the oligarchs that run Ukraine are no better than Putin. The people are good people in Ukraine, just like the people in Africa or, or Spain or wherever. There's good people everywhere. But the people that are running this thing, the founding fathers said, no, usually it's the people at the top that facilitate and cause the war. The people only get involved in the misery when they're in the war. And, and so what they set up with Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 was a, a, a tempering point. They put the declaration of war as close to the people as they possibly could by those that would pay for it and, and uh, most suffer for it. And so that's why Congress has to declare war. It is a hard, fast rule that cannot be delegated to somebody else. They can't say, oh, well, the president can run off for 100 days or 1,000 days or whatever they decide, go to war, and then, then we'll, we'll decide. No, that is not the rule. Congress shall have power to declare war. And and it doesn't just mean, uh, if we put boots on the ground, it's a war. Not at all. What Trump did in Syria with his Tomahawk missiles was an act of war. What the Japanese did in December 7, 1941, was an act of war. It was an aerial assault that was an act of war. We what we did in Vietnam was an act of war. Everything was. So, uh, anyway, when we get back, I'll tell you about Putin. What I think Putin's doing is playing chess. And I think we're going to talk about that, ladies and gentlemen, with the good doctor, Scott Bradley. Here's the point the good doctor and Sam discuss the need for a humble foreign policy. Washington's farewell address talked about avoiding foreign entanglements. George Washington was right. Avoid foreign entanglements, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. 
My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, I'm Sam Bushman. I'm with Dr. Scott Bradley, ladies and gentlemen. His whole life. FreedomsRisingSun.com is website. Yeah, the good doctor and Sam discussing the need for a humble foreign policy. Washington's farewell address highlighted this reality. George is right. We've got to avoid uh, these wars. And I'm telling you right now, we're about de-escalating right now. Uh, Whacked out Joe is about escalating right now. We have got to really realize this would be an unjust, ladies and gentlemen, unconstitutional, immoral invasion of foreign nations and the breach of their sovereignty. And if we're not very careful, we're on the precipice right now. We've got to step back and see this thing through constitutional, humble foreign policy lenses, doctor. Okay, man, so many places to take this. I... uh... Let's let's go back. Of course, you mentioned uh, George Washington, of course, Thomas Jefferson and, and Madison and Monroe. And I mean, all of these icons of liberty that we could go quote. Um, but but the fact of the matter is. Joe Biden's presidency is not going well. OK, let's kind of bring it to today's time. And Madison was very astute in understanding these things. He talks he talked in the Constitution Convention about how the armies kept up in, in uh, European countries were there really to subdue the people of the country. But he says that it was a, a maxim, as even back in Rome, that if the, the, the people started to get a little restless and show they were unhappy with the government, let's start a war. And what it does is it, it deflects away from, from the issues that are unhappy to the people, that it supposedly will bring the people together and unify them and and then they'll march off to war, and the leadership gets to get a buy on what they're what they're doing that's got the people chapped. And so, I Joe Biden's presidency, as I said, is not going well. I cannot think of a single single issue that he's happened that he's handled and done right. Uh, I mean, he made a lot of campaign promises. Of course, most people didn't hear him because he never went campaigning. He hid out in his basement or whatever he was doing. But but he said he was going to do. All sorts of things. This build back better and get the um, vaccines into everybody. And he was going to do. I mean, it was just one thing after another. 
biting off more than he could chew, and all of it was unconstitutional. And so even his base is eroded tremendously by this. And by the way, we could talk at some point about the opportunity he has to um, name a new Supreme Court uh, associate justice, but that's extraneous to what we're talking about now. But at any rate, so Biden has kind of a, um, an incentive, if you will, to divert the nation's attention from his complete disastership, uh, and, and it's a sinking ship, by the way, and, and, uh, and take us into a, this unconstitutional approach to things. I truly believe, now this is a, you're going to say, whoa, you, you're saying Putin has more integrity than Biden? Mm, yeah. Uh, and am I saying Putin has a ton of integrity? Mm, no. But he's, he has no less integrity nor no more integrity than the oligarchs in Ukraine. And so we have a, a couple of gangs over there that are, that are wrangling about who's going to, you know, draw the line in the sand and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, I think Putin knows how badly Ukraine wants to come into the United, uh, the, excuse me, NATO. And, and so he's, I think he has set up a, a strategic move. He puts troops on the borders, ships in the sea, and uh, he, he incents the United States to come to the table. I think what he really, really, really wants in this is a pullback of the movement towards the NATO uh, membership of Ukraine. Now, this happens all the time. Uh, a good friend of mine, he's dead now, but uh, he was a good friend of mine. His name was Chuck Sieber. He was in Gitmo in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, back when the Russians were landing missiles there. And he personally told me that for weeks prior to JFK coming on the TV and with, I mean, well, now we had a, a black and white TV at the time, <laughs> so maybe he looked grayer and more somber than, than he did in real life. But I remember him on the TV telling us, we're going to war if Russia keeps this up. And we're going to launch World War III, blah, blah, blah. And, and so Kennedy called out the Russians. We don't know if we really ever got a complete stand down on the Russian side with the, with the missiles in Cuba. But here's what the Russians got. They came to Kennedy and said, look, let's talk about this. If you guys will withdraw the intermediate missiles that are in Turkey that are aimed at our country, we'll pull these missiles out of Cuba. Kennedy said, fine. So Kennedy gave away all of our missile launchers, if you will, in Turkey to get an agreement from the Russians. It was a stand down. We weren't going to go to World War III. It was a chess move. And, and I really believe Putin is involved in the same thing and the United States, Joe Biden, is fool enough, senile enough, demented enough that he's not he's not really seeing through this. I Backed think by warmongers enough, giving him advice, giving him guidance, giving him, quote, counsel. Uh, OK, he's surrounded by warmongers, too. Let's be very clear. The deep state, uh, the military industrial complex agitating for this. Uh, and he's uh, ignorant enough to take the bait. Right. Well, I don't believe Biden usually wakes up in the morning and knows where he is. But the fact of the matter is his administration is following this. Again, his administration is not going good. Distract the people with a war. His administration has uh, basically uh, has got some bills to pay. And the people that are the warmongers that you talk about, the military-industrial complex, they make gobs of money when wars happen. 
and and so they're they're more than happy to foster it. It's a racket, and uh, and so it, it's it's so different from what the American founding fathers considered it, and and the people that are doing it are literally and truthfully they're squandering the blood, the fortune, and the sacred honor of the nation for something we have no right to do. And and so, Sam, you remember when we were back in Washington, D.C., trying to deliver a message to all the Senate and the Congress. And uh, while we didn't get in every uh, office, I nearly got arrested in uh, Harry Reid's office, by the way, because they were so upset with us being there. But we ended up getting the message into every office. And during that time, perhaps you'll remember, the Ukraine was making a big pitch in Congress about U.S. aid. Now, what was that, six years ago? Well, the Ukraine has been blowing on the embers of opening the U.S. coffers for them. And, uh, and honestly, there is not, there's no more reason for us to be in a Ukraine war than there was for us to be in, in World War I. Now, the people in World War I, we, uh, the, the Americans were saying, no, no, we're not going. Same thing just prior to World War II. No, no, we're not going. But there were money powers, political forces that were working behind the scenes. And one of the reasons, the, probably the principal reason, we ended up in World War I was because the money mongers from Wall Street that had been loaning money to England and France, and honestly, the war was not going good for England and France. Their people were getting a little antsy over it. In fact, some of the battles they'd have before noon, they'd kill 60,000 men in World War One, It was horrific meat grinder. And and so uh, these money mongers knew that the money they had loaned to England and France probably wouldn't be repaid if they lost or withdrew or turned tail, whatever. And so they brought the United States in. No justification for the United States being in. It was all fabricated. And that's where we are right now with the Ukraine. And, and uh, I really believe that Putin's Putin's probably a chess player. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm guessing he probably has made some of these things. He's brought the full force of his government to the borders in order to get a wake-up call from America. I don't think Biden can wake up. So we're, we're in trouble for that. But the people need to say, no way, we will not go fight this war. And that's what, I mean, it would be a, think about it for a second. The wars we've fought in recent times the thing that made so much difference was our superior air power. We have had air power, whether it was Vietnam or whether it was Afghanistan or Iraq, wherever you choose, we have the insertion and extraction power. We have the firepower from the skies. We can deliver Tomahawk missiles, whatever we want. That has really been the game changer for it all. Russia has every bit as much air superiority as we do. And uh, this is not well, going to believe be it or a, not, maybe even more. Yeah, this is not going to be a, a a little you know back alley fight. This thing could escalate way beyond what everybody or anybody should want it to, and and there should be a, a, a reasoned diplomacy that's going on that uh, that prevents that from happening. And honestly, even if the best of conditions were there, we should never let Ukraine in the NATO alliance because of what people believe it, it obligates us to, which it Here's doesn't. Here's what we ought to do. Joe, listen carefully, my friend. You ought to stand down. You ought to back away. You ought to de-escalate. You ought to say, you know what, gentlemen? Uh, this is not our foreign entanglement. 
We're not in a fight with either of y'all. We pray you guys can work it out. We pray for you. We'll put the light on a hill, a beacon of solutions via the supreme law of our land. Y'all to do likewise and stay out of it, huh? Exposing corruption. Informing citizens. Pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Goes out to service city and uh, his life is taken. How do you explain that? How do you justify it? Criminal elements in our society continue to attack and kill police officers in America. Six officers were the victims of gun violence over the past two days. In Houston, Texas, an illegal immigrant shot and killed an officer before fleeing to Mexico. And three more HPD officers were hospitalized Thursday in a dramatic shootout. Two more police officers were shot Wednesday afternoon in St. Louis, Missouri. Also, a Milwaukee sheriff's deputy was shot several times during a traffic stop on the same day. This, as New York City buries two of its finest Friday. Big Apple residents on Fox News come out to pay their respects. So for such two young people, it's terrible. They do so much work for the city and put their lives at risk every day when they're on the job. I get a little overwhelmed because he's so young. That could be my child, anyone's child. USA Radio News. Hey, Carrie, we need that tax report by tomorrow. Hey, uh, Bobby, give me that expenses. For Hari's accounting firm, client growth is exponential. A couple of accountants short, he needs whip-smart accountants at whiplash speed. Hey, uh, so why aren't these receivables matching up? Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. There are hundreds of thousands of members, and they love it. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and this is obviously huge. The typical family saves around $6,000 a year switching to MediShare. Find out more. They're great to talk to. 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. An earthquake rocks Tonga. Less than two weeks after an underwater volcano explosion cut off communications on the island of Tonga, a powerful 6.2 magnitude earthquake struck off the coast of the island again. The quake hit in the ocean about 130 miles northwest of Tonga. There were no reports of any injuries or damage to any of the populated islands that make up the whole Tonga region. The seismic activity came 12 days after a volcano erupted and produced a tsunami that caused widespread damage in Tonga and minor effects as far away as the U.S. West Coast. Many countries, including Australia, New Zealand and Japan, have given aid to Tonga, such as clean drinking water, medical supplies and food. Repairs to underwater fiber optic cables that were severed during the eruption may not be fixed until sometime next month. So far, three deaths have been blamed on the eruption and the tsunami that hit the islands following it. Wendy King reporting for USA Radio News. Live and on your radio, hard-hitting talk at your fingertips with Dr. Scott Bradley, FreedomsRisingSun.com, and Sam Bushman. Talk about the discussion of a need for a humble foreign policy the greatest general, George Washington, led in his farewell address with saying, you know what, folks, you've got to de-escalate. You've got to stay out of the foreign entanglements. You've got to have a humble foreign policy. Oh, would we listen, doctor? 
Well, you know, the war is truly the most onerous burden any nation ever faces. And that's why, in their wisdom, the American Founding Fathers put the constraints on the war-making power of a nation. And I might just wrap a bow around this thing to, for your listeners to contemplate as we go forward. Uh, this back off, dial it down, whatever you want to call it, because truly this is being manipulated by the powers that be in order to better facilitate. Well, let's, let's look and l or listen what Madison said about war. Later on in his life, this is what he wrote. Of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes and armies and debts. And taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the dominion of the few. In war, too, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and emoluments is multiplied. And all the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. No nation could preserve in its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. And that is basically what the history of the United States has been since the United States participated and became involved in the United Nations. Well, literally it happened earlier because of the idiocy of, of Woodrow Wilson and his alter ego, Edward Mandel House. But the fact of the matter, that last statement, no nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. We are being drawn constantly we are war-weary if the people really stopped and took a deep breath and thought about it. 20 years of war in Afghanistan and, and Iraq. And what resulted? There has not been a, a bit of improvement in either location. We have not opened the doors to the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We have not uh, assisted the people in becoming freer than they were in every sense. It's, it's simply same old, same old. My, when my little brother was in Afghanistan, uh, he'd send pictures back of the some of the people that he'd seen. He always write Taliban, and it's like, well, are you sure? And it's like everybody's Taliban. It's because that is the nature of the beast there. Doesn't yeah, mean even all... domestic parents want want to fix their school boards. They're Taliban, aren't they? Doctor? Oh, you bet. So anyway, yeah, we see. can't preserve our freedom if we go down this path. And, and Russia's the wrong nose to poke right now. Trust me. So anyway. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. They want you to believe war is peace. It's a lie. They want you to believe that if we fight all these global wars around the world, that it'll create peace at home. Uh, it's a lie. We'll spend ourselves into oblivion. We'll make enemies around the world. The blowback will be out of the stratosphere. Uh, before God, we will be involved in all manner of unjust murder. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to step back and see this through constitutional lenses and say, Congress, evaluate the situation. There's a lot of solutions short of a declaration of war that ought to be considered and pursued if, and this is a big if, if the United States is even in jeopardy at all to begin with. So ladies and gentlemen, understand Washington's farewell address very clearly and his call to avoid foreign entanglements, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we've got to do. But on the home front, and in Canada, there's two topics we've got to discuss with a good doctor before the end of the hour. Chuck Baldwin wrote an incredible column, COVID shots, sterilizing an entire generation, writes Chuck Baldwin. Now that we have a full year of injecting people with experimental gene-altering shots for COVID-19, 
we can conclusively state, ladies and gentlemen, that this has been a massive, a weapon of mass destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, not only does it make you sick, not only does it spread the coronavirus, um, it's a weapon of mass destruction. It not only kills and cripples people, as the VARS index or VARS database documents in the present, but it destroys unborn children in the womb womb as well, ladies and gentlemen. It's most likely making an entire generation of childbearing aged females infertile. Infertile, ladies and gentlemen. In vast or past columns, uh, Chuck Baldwin says, I've shown how hundreds of thousands of people of all ages, nationalities, occupations, health histories have died or become seriously ill because of the vaccines. But ladies and gentlemen, Health Impact News, says Chuck Baldwin, has more. And they document this point about, you know what? They're literally uh, creating sterilization for these women. The facts that support the statements are found in the government's own database of vaccine adverse events reporting system uh, shows this to be true. It is serious. you got to run several searches on the symptoms uh, to get a handle on this. Chuck did all this and brings the details to us, Dr. Bradley. Well, indeed, it's a... To me, for those that have never looked at this issue before, it's a great introductory offer, if you will, uh, to get to get it introduced to people and have them start thinking along these lines. Those of us that have been tracking this for the last two years and the, uh, the approach that has been done with the so-called vaccine have, have been aware of the potential of all of these challenges because of the nature of the beast that's being injected into us. Now, they're, they're pushing the idea of injecting babies, for crying out loud. Uh, but, I mean, so, so right from the get-go, they're potentially causing fertility issues that, uh, that will be the end of generations for, for those that, that are affected this way. And, and so it's, there's a huge uh, blossoming, if you will, of these prenatal, and uh, so on, the, the stillbirths, the premature delivery, the fetal death, all those kinds of things that are, that are occurring since the injection became widespread. And, and these things can be tracked. And the fact of the matter is that the tests that were done, there was nothing in the testing that could be said to be, oh, yeah, we looked at this and it's all okay. The testing period was not long enough. And, and the fact is, this may be when you have young women, let's say, that are 12 years old, that are injected at their school. Um, when they become 22 years old and they want to have their first child, oops, maybe it won't work. And, and so these kinds of things, as a side effect, are, are really, really looming large on the, on the scene. And it's interesting to me, and this is a little bit of a side note, I know to these to these uh, potential problems with fertility, but but there seems to be little or no value in what's being received by these so-called vaccines. I think about, oh, well, are you fully vaccinated? Well, I got my two shots. People say, well, no, no. Now you got to get your uh, you got to get your booster, your second booster, your third booster, or whatever, 
and and they're still finding Israel, for example, is a, a great example of a bad example in how widespread the vaccination rate is there with this uh, medical, uh, I don't know what to call it. It's really not a vaccine. Vaccines historically gave you lifetime immunity for uh, some malady that was out there. This apparently doesn't prevent infection nor prevent spread. And they keep uh, upping the ante and boosting it. My own father was fully vaccinated. And he currently, this very minute, has COVID. And it's like, oh, that worked out really good for him. And and so it's it's one of those things where people need to understand, wait a minute, we're still masking, we're still social distancing, we're still saying, let's lock down, let's do the uh, two weeks to flatten the curve and all this nonsense, let's take more booster shots. It's not sustainable, people. You can't be boosting yourself every three, four, five months. Financially, nations cannot afford this. It's got to run its course. And And by the way, I think that the way God's plan works is usually we develop a natural immunity. Usually, even the the, the new variants that come along are, are of less strength. Usually, we deal with them in the course of our lives and we move on. But this particular thing of generational, this if this ends your daughter's or your granddaughter's fertility, your posterity will cease. You will be at the end of the road you will no longer have, well, I consider grandchildren to be a gift from God. Well, children too. I mean, there's no getting around that. But your grandchildren are a delight because maybe you have a little different perspective than when you're in the middle of the, the fray, if you will, when you had your own children. But what a magnificent gift is being denied. It's satanic in its origins. I'll go so far as to say that. I, I really, truly believe that we are... It's an extension beyond the, the catastrophic abortion process that, that started 49 years ago this month. Amen to that. States. Now, ladies and gentlemen, understand, Israel, one of the most vaccinated countries in the world, sets new COVID case 19 or COVID-19 case record. Okay. So here's what happened in the VARS database. Chuck Baldwin and others did a bunch of a series of source searches. I'm sorry. Searches revealing the number of deaths. They say the following is the symptoms in VARS that they search for. Aborted pregnancy, abortion, abortion complete, abortion complicated, abortion early, abortion complete, abortion induced, abortion induced incomplete, abortion late, abortion missed, abortion topic pregnancy, abortion spontaneous. Um, it goes on and on, right? Abortion spontaneous complete. Incomplete. Um, incomplete and complete. They say both, right? Yeah. Um, pregnancy termination. Pregnancy with contraceptive device. Fetal cardiac arrest. Fetal death. Premature baby deaths. Premature deliveries. Um, anyway, they go on and on and on. We'll talk about it more in seconds, but this is disaster, folks. Liberty Roundtable Live. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular 
are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. The CDC just reported that 7,218 people died after receiving a COVID-19 shot. Granted, vaccines are a complicated concoction of chemicals, and as with any medical experiment, it can take a long time to get it right. This is not the first time people have been hurt when vaccinated. What is different this time, and so concerning, is the reaction to these death numbers. Let me explain. In 1976, the government vaccinated 45 million people for swine flu. A total of 53 people died after getting that shot, and the U.S. government immediately halted the vaccination program. Why? Because authorities decided it was too much of a risk. Why would they halt the program back then for 53 deaths, but now, with over 7,000 deaths, they are using every method possible to force it on you? In fact, now the health authorities are using their power to silence anyone who dares to question the COVID vaccination. Why? Why is anyone that questions COVID silenced? Even doctors are being censored. What's up with that? Paid for by Evan Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio talking about Chuck Baldwin's incredible column. COVID shots, sterilizing an entire generation, Chuck Baldwin. Now that we have a full year of injecting people with an experimental gene-altering shot, we realize how sick it's making people, how it's causing deaths, and it's making females infertile. you got to search the VARS database for a ton of details to get the bottom line. But this is population reduction planning. This is genocide. These are crimes against humanity. This is pure evil, Chuck Baldwin writes. And then he goes into the details uh, and the numbers, and, and, and I'm just telling you, it paints a, a picture of literally a weaponized virus and then a weaponized shot, both combining for literally murder on a mass scale, Dr. Bradley. See, here's the deal. We're talking a lot about the effect on females. And, uh, and and we just really don't know the long-term effect at this point because there hasn't been a long-term utilization of them. But, first of all, certainly the issue on young men may be similarly as egregious. We We don't know that. It's just not as readily apparent in terms of what happens with young men with this with this so-called vaccine. But in addition to that, what, what Chuck Baldwin's article talks about, using this the search uh, parameters that you described before the break, he's, he said he found one uh, 3,147 fetal deaths, okay? There's a underreporting multiplier of 41 times that uh, has been very generally agreed upon 
There are no studies, none, zero, nada, that say the Vayers system underreports things, or excuse me, overreports things. Every one of them says they very much underreport. So with a multiplier of 41 times, that would say that 129,027 babies have died in the past uh, year since the, the uh, vaccine was imposed upon people. 129,000 baby deaths. That is horrific. And, and then you look at the long-term effect and how it may be modifying the fertility capability of young people. Well, anybody, I guess, that takes it. In fact, the part of the study that, uh, that uh, Chuck brings out talks about how the U.S. population growth has grown at a slower rate in 2021 than any other year since the founding of the nation. And, uh, and so the idea is that, wait, well, well maybe, uh, you know, if everybody's home locked down in their houses, you would think the population rate would have grown because people get bored and they make babies, I guess. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is it's grown less in the year 2021. And, and the idea is, well, maybe it might be affecting the ability to conceive. So there, this is, all of these things are really bad signs. Some people say bad omens. But the fact of the matter is, this lie, it's a literal lie, that this inoculation is both safe and effective. I mean, we can look all across the nations of the world and find that those that are most that are most injected are the ones where they're having the greatest influx. Or we Ladies can say, and gentlemen, it amounts to war around the world, and it amounts to war at home. They're really waging war on all of us, whether it's physical war, uh, whether it's bioweapons against us all. Uh, you know what? This uh, is getting more and more and more egregious. In fact, it's so bad in Canada, Dr. Bradley, that truckers stage massive convoy to protest Canadian vaccination mandates. Hundreds of vehicles, thousands are joining in. Um, it's Bob Unruh, WND.com with the piece, but literally they're talking about this. Uh, they're calling Ottawa, Canada. Uh, going to be the biggest truck stop in the world's history. Uh, this is serious, uh, and it's happening right now. People are starting to literally revolt. I'm not for revolution. I'm not for revolting. I'm not, but at the same time, um, they are literally taking us to war on every front. Indeed, they truly are. By the way, that uh, truck convoy they say is like 15 miles long. I mean, that's no, a lot. Now it's of way longer than that. Is it really? At any rate, oh yeah. Uh, the this Trudeau administration in Canada, uh, they they give. Joe Biden, a run for his money on buffoonery. But it, go back for just a second. Uh, it's well understood. I mean, it's been advocated for decades, literally. Bill Gates has advocated for population reduction using pharmacological means. And back when the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation with WHO and UNICEF put sterilization drugs into the tetanus vaccine that was injected into women and girls in Kenya, in 2014 and 15, over 500,000 Kenyan women and girls are reported to have been unwittingly sterilized by these vaccinations. And they say that it's 43 miles long now, the convoy. 
Oh, is it really? Well, the longest growing by the second. I, I've ever heard of before that was five miles. Yeah, I mean, they say this are, one's the longest in world history, sir. Trudeau, truly. Uh, the man is not qualified to cross the street alone. Maybe he ought to go out and play in the street when the trucks are going by. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is he is a spoiled brat that has uh, has got the power of government behind him, and he's he's turning Canada into a basically a third-world country, a gulag, where they lock people down, and they have no science behind what they're doing. I, I, I hold disdain for Canada. Now, on the other hand, uh, the U.K. has abandoned their, their COVID uh, mandates. Uh, Denmark, I think the first of the month, which is a couple of days from now, is going to similarly respond. There are countries around the world that are saying, you know what, we're done with this. We're done. And, and we have buffoons uh, like Trudeau and like Biden and, and uh, the, the Fauci world, uh, the, you know, all across the epidemiologist world, that are, that are still doubling down their efforts. And the people need to understand that, that we have a responsibility to say to all who are our leaders, uh, elected and unelected, we're done. Uh, you did the wrong thing to begin with. Nothing you've said has done any better. You know, two weeks to flatten the curve. We're we're 22 months into flattening the curve. Cloth masks, no, they're no good. And they're admitting that now. The idea of doing uh, in-home lockdowns, you know, uh, it's it's a habeas corpus violation. The idea of shutting down businesses, a violation of Article One, Section 10. Excuse me, Article One, yeah, Section 10 of the United States Constitution, where states cannot interfere with businesses. Every single thing that's happened as we've gone through this has been a violation of proper principle, and not a thing of it has been scientifically valid. As, as evidence is brought forth, studies prove, demonstrate that, uh, that everything is, is basically been a stumble-bum approach to, to the way we've been doing this, and literally protocols in hospitals, I'm absolutely convinced, are probably the greatest reason for deaths because of the pharmacology that's used and the approaches they do it. I mean, don't get me started, Sam. I mean, this is well, so we had frustrating. On, we had on our TV show with Richard Mack, simulcast with Liberty Roundtable Live on Tuesday. I don't know if you know Nurse Aaron, who is a whistleblower who literally highlighted she's from Florida, but she went to the New York hospitals. She got paid $10,000 a week to go there and help, and when she got there, uh, they first had her just sit around for a few days, even though it was a so-called emergency. But she literally watched firsthand how the protocols in the hospitals are committing murder left and right. And she even wrote a book about it. She's a whistleblower, uh, in, in my mind, an American hero, telling the tale of exactly what you're pointing out uh, from the patient's side. She doubles down from the medical nurse side and says it's true. They're literally killing people. I watched them. When she got there, 100% of the people that were put on a ventilator were dead. Um, you obviously uh, escaped, and the Lord wants you around to tell the tale of liberty um, for quite a while longer. But all I'm telling you is uh, she documents exactly what you're saying from the patient's side, but from the medical side. She's a whistleblower. They're not happy with her, but she says, I don't care. I'm telling the truth because the truth needs to be told, and someone's got to tell it. She's right, and so are you. Yeah, they, my personal experience is every single malady I continue to suffer from uh, I believe was medically induced, uh, and and the challenges I currently continue to face, and and we're making progress. We're we're coming back, but it's not without a great deal 
of focused and sometimes painful effort to try and move beyond where we are right now. But the fact of the matter is, I believe, had the protocols not been what they were, uh, we'd have been much better off. So, yeah, and by the way, the ventilation process where they put all the tubes down your throat, uh, that happened to me, absolutely. It damaged one of the valves in my throat. I'm still trying to completely recover from that. Uh, they ended up using a tracheostomy on me, so they put the ventilator in through a hole in my throat, which uh, allowed me to, you know, I think, facilitate a better recovery. But the fact is, a lot of people, in fact, this gal that you're talking about in New York, it was almost 100% kill ratio. People we've personally known that had those tubes put through their mouth, down their throat, they died during the... Uh, uh, the original intubation process. I mean, the process is, is challenging enough that it literally kills some people just in the very onset of what they're doing. So, oh, man, the challenges are overwhelming, and the response has been absolutely not science-based. Whether it's uh, the way they came up with the, uh, the so-called vaccine or, or whether it's some of the preventive medicines that could be used, the stuff that's being used all over the world right now as a prophylactic kind of situation is not accepted in the United States. And they're using these new fangled pharmacy things that cost gobs of money, make lots of money for the pharmacies. It's just still happening. Tragic it's but absolutely. true, ladies and gentlemen. Our prayers are that we can de-escalate all forms of war everywhere, that we can stand with the Prince of Peace, that we can advocate for the sacred cause of liberty. Our prayers are for this. We then have to repray hard, get up and go to work to advocate for peace and prosperity and stability and to do so the American way by preserving the nation, restoring the republic. We declare this nation shall endure. It is God family country, ladies and gentlemen. That is the order of things by almighty God. If we obey, blessings are the result. For Dr. Bradley and Sam Bushman, God save the Republic of the United States of America, freedomsrisingsun.com. <laughs>